days, Disney is one of the most influential media companies in the world. It's hard to believe that Disney almost went bankrupt right after it got started. In 1940, the studio had sunk $2.3 million into making epic musical work Fantasia. The movie was a financial loss, and Disney had exceeded its loan limits. So the studio turned to a simple story of a flying elephant to make some money. Dumbo was born. In the film, Dumbo is befriended by a group of crows. Maybe you saw Dumbo as a kid and didn't think too much about it. But listen again to that crow's song. <laughs> Did you ever see an elephant fly? <laughs> well, I seen a horse fly. Ah, I seen a dragon fly. <laughs> I seen a house fly. <laughs> See, I seen all that too. I seen a peanut stand. I heard a rubber band. I seen a needle that winked its eye. But I be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. What you say, boy? These crows are clearly standing in for black people. Their way of speaking, their clothes, even their name are racial stereotypes. The main bird's name is Jim Crow, in reference to America's racial segregation laws. Some of the crows are voiced by black actors, but Jim Crow himself was portrayed by Cliff Edwards, a white actor and ukulele player, better known for voicing Jiminy Cricket. When you wish upon a star Makes no difference who you are. Many people have examined the racial politics of Disney animals over the years. The documentary film Mickey Mouse Monopoly explores this issue, along with other critical perspectives on Disney. Here's a clip from the documentary, which starts with a scene from Tarzan and includes quotes from two media scholars and two small children. Kids in Africa see it. They see a white man in Africa who's superior, swinging from trees, and they see no Africans. And they see gorillas being the ones they relate to. Is it promoting white supremacy? I never seen any black people in Disney's movie. I can't think of any um, Disney movies that have black people that are good. Disney has very, very few Asian or Asian-American characters in their children's films. And that's probably why the Siamese cats really stand out for me. The question is, what type of stories get invented, circulated, perpetuated in the public imagination, and why? Scholar, writer, and activist Walida Imarisha is someone who's been thinking hard about what stories Disney tells and why. She teaches a class on race and Disney films at Portland State University. Her class does a deep read on Disney, looking at the role that animated animals play in defining perceptions of race, class, and gender. You heard Walida if you listened to our episode on feminism and sci-fi, where she spoke up for the rights of droids in Star Wars. I'm happy to welcome Walida back to our show. It's always such a thrill to have her on. So one of the requirements of your class on race and Disney films is for students to write a personal essay about their history with Disney films. So I was hoping you could tell us about your history with Disney. Like, did you watch a lot of Disney as a kid? Um, and when did you start thinking critically about the way Disney uses animals uh, with an eye on race specifically? Sure. 
So, I mean, I think it's really important for us to acknowledge, you know, the kind of uh, ways that Disney has influenced all of us. And I think that, you know, um, I feel like people either, you know, love Disney or love to hate Disney um, and uh, oftentimes uh, aren't kind of thinking about it in a, in a holistic way. And so I think uh, for students coming into the class, it's really hard to critique Disney, right? Because Disney has been part of the vast majority of our lives since before we could remember a time without Disney. And I think it's really important to recognize that that's actually part of Disney's marketing plan. And their goal is to get folks, you know, when they're babies, which is why they market products to babies, uh, to get folks, you know, before they, they know that there's such a thing as a world without Disney. Um, and so, and to kind of inculcate themselves in this magical realm and this idea of nostalgia so that they actually um, don't fall within the realm of critique. Pretty much every term I'm accused of ruining people's childhoods. Um, you know, and so my, my goal is to try and find a way to, you know, to acknowledge that emotional connection while still saying, and that, that actually means we have to critique it even more, not less. That's funny. You point out that, like, I, I personally can't remember a time before I knew about Disney. It's just always a part of your culture and always a part of your life. It's Disney is such a cultural touchstone for our pop culture. It's where it all begins. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I mean, I think that that can't be overstated. And, you know, again, that that is a concerted effort by the Disney Corporation to do that, right? Um, and uh, and to kind of you know uh, infuse itself into every part of of American culture. The other thing about Disney is that Disney works so hard, so people won't think about it as a corporation, and it's been incredibly successful at that, right? And many of my students uh, have an incredible hard time thinking of Disney as a corporation. And I, you know, I'll say, okay, what is the definition of a corporation? And we'll go through it. What is the point of a corporation to make money for its shareholders? Students are very clear about that. I'm like, what is the point of the Disney corporation to make people happy? Right? (laughs) Because Disney has done a phenomenal job of marketing itself in, in a global context. Right, so let's let's talk about a film specifically. One of the first films you discuss in your class is uh, the 1967 animated film, The Jungle Book. Yes. And this, of course, is a film that's all about animals. It has, you know, Baloo, there's the bear, there's Bagheera, the panther, there's Shere Khan, who's a tiger, who's a villain. Can you talk about how you use The Jungle Book to discuss race with your students? Absolutely. I mean, I think that The Jungle Book is... And is an incredibly important film because it shows the Disney ideology in many ways the clearest, right? So, you know, Walt Disney had a very clear framework about how the world should be, right? And he was very clear and upfront about that. Walt Disney had an incredibly conservative framework. You know, he felt that, you know, uh, women should be in the home. He felt that, you know, there shouldn't be queer and trans folks in the world. He felt that, you know, folks of color should keep to their menial, you know, places, right? He was very clear on this sort of immense conservative worldview. And that worldview is infused in all of these Disney films. And I think you can see it in in some ways most clearly in The Jungle Book, right? The Jungle Book is actually the last film that Walt Disney worked on personally before he passed away in 1966. 
And, you know, there are great scholars who, who really look at it, one of them being um, Greg Met, uh, Metcalf, who has an article really saying that in many ways, The Jungle Book is a complete repudiation by Disney of all of these um you know, changing times, right? The 1960s, what's happening in the 1960s in this country? Well, everything, right? We have, you know, the uh, women's rights movement, women liberation movement. We have the, you know, uh, beginnings of, you know, gay liberation movements. We obviously have third world, black, um, Latino, uh, Asian, indigenous liberation movements happening here and globally, right? And that the Jungle Book is actually a complete repudiation of all of that. And if you go through what comes out so clearly when you watch the Jungle Book is there is a natural order of things. Things have a natural order. Everyone has their place in a hierarchy. And it is once you step out of that place that everything falls apart. And things cannot come back together and society can't function unless everyone is in their proper place. Um, and we see that with, you know, especially with the differences between the original book by Kipling and the changes that Disney makes to it, right, to, to kind of emphasize this. So, you know, in, in the book, right, um, there's, you know, there's a reason that, that uh, Mowgli can't go to the village for a while. But at the end of the film, Shere Khan is gone, right? Mowgli tied that stick to his, burning stick to his tail. He's gone, Seemingly, we've won. There's no more danger. Why can't Mowgli stay in the jungle, right? So that's not the natural order of things. And they, they reinforce this again and again and again, right? So let's talk about another film you talk about in your class, which is The Lion King. And this film is one of the more recent ones that maybe you were talking about watching as an adult. It came out in 1994. Uh, does the message remain the same over those 30 years that... Uh, people should stay in their place, defend the status quo, put like with like. Or did you do you see a radical difference between the way The Lion King deals with these issues versus The Jungle Book? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that, you know, the, the idea with Disney, um, and there's actually an article called this, is that the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? That one of the things that makes Disney incredibly a brilliant corporation is that it takes the critiques that are being given to it and it seemingly incorporates those critiques while keeping the same underlying ideology. So, you know, the, the Little Mermaid actually was a response to a feminist critique of saying these old Disney princess films, right, with Cinderella and Snow White and Dear God Sleeping Beauty, who spends, you know, the vast majority of the film either singing, cleaning or sleeping, right? Um, you know, these are these are not appropriate images for young girls to have anymore. So then they gave you the Little Mermaid, right, who's this strong, empowered, independent, adventurous young woman until she sees a man. And then she's willing to give up everything for him, right? So the more things change, the more they stay the same. And we absolutely see this in The Lion King, right? Because um, so, again, we have the lions being coded as, you know, the the top of the hierarchy, the ruling monarchy, right? And so being coded as white. And we have the hyenas who are voiced by, you know, by, uh, by two people of color. Um, and, and really the main two people of color voices that we hear in that, um, we, you know, we see that the hyenas being coded as people of color. And they are ghettoized, right? They're given the badlands. They're given the lands where the light doesn't touch, where nothing grows, right? And they are starving to death. And, you know, this, this very clear analogy to, you know, 
folks who are in, you know, inner city, overexploited, under-resourced communities. Uh, and and when when the when the hyenas leave their segregated, you know, community, right, and try and take over with the support, you know, supporting Scar's leadership, that's when everything is destroyed, right? The land itself rebels against this unnatural order of things. The land, you know, the water dries up, there's no food to eat, like the land itself becomes desolate, the sun goes away, it's just dark and there's nothing to eat and everything's terrible because we did not keep to the natural order of things. And it is only when that that hierarchy and that segregation is reinstituted that we that we see the sun immediately comes out the water begins to flow, the animals are happy, and everything is back to the way it should be. And I think the one other thing about The Lion King that's so important is that this film, as you said, came out in 1994. This is the era of the end of legal apartheid in South Africa, right? That, you know, Nelson Mandela came home, that we're seeing the dismantling of the, the legal apartheid system that people had fought against so hard, right, which was uh, you know, one of the you know most brutal forms of segregation the world has ever seen, and let's be clear, modeled on American segregation. And so it is at this time when this country that the whole world has been looking at is dismantling legal segregation that Disney puts out a film whose whole message is, if you don't segregate people to their proper place, then then everything will be destroyed. I want to be like you. I want to walk like you. Talk like you. You see it's true. And they like me. Can learn to be human too.